ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Chris and Andre Show. Well, welcome to the Chris and Andre Show. We're glad you joined us today. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm Andre. And I'm Chris. Gosh. <laughs> um, we just, appreci- just so everybody's clear, <laughs> there's no music playing when we start this show. All of that is put in afterwards, and so I'm just... I'm probably not even with the beat. I'm just stop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're super glad you came. You know, you joined us today. Um, if you hadn't had a chance, check out our YouTube channel. Uh, it's just search for the Chris and Andre Show. Please subscribe and like things. It helps us to grow our audience and uh, hopefully get some new listeners. And you can share it. Um, yeah, we seriously, ta- like I'm. I'm tired of doing work for minimal views. <laughs> I will only do this for a certain amount of time <laughs> if we don't get more views. So I'm looking at you, internet. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I'll but we talk about everything. Uh, we actually have a bunch of guy conversations, the ones that um, probably most guys should have while they're standing around the grill watching people cook. So, uh, but uh, yeah, we're cook super vegetables. Fresh. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> so my day was kind of weird my wife called me from work uh so we got back from vacation we went to puerto rico that was uh great um i don't recommend going anywhere on vacation off the out of the country or off the mainland during covid Uh, everything closed at nine Uh, we went with almost 30 of our, our our friends it was a bunch of families it was so that was kind of interesting uh there were challenges of course but um you know i i still enjoy puerto rico so who was in charge of kind of like corralling everybody or making like was there did you have like uh the you know the guide who had like one person with an umbrella <laughs> or something to kind of like all right everybody follow us this way no a few of us had been to puerto rico before and uh i again i love the country like i, I just want to i always tell people like it's probably one of my favorite places to go to uh yeah, it's like <laughs> no <laughs> it's like moving <laughs> it's like moving um spanish harlem when i was younger to the caribbean so that's why i really enjoy it um so i consider it one of my well my second home away from home um and san juan is beautiful we we went to old san juan as well and you know, uh, the seven seas beach, I got sunburnt and I got attacked by mosquitoes, <laughs> but it was great. The food was great. Uh, I will say this. I think I may is lo- if I go to countries like that, where I know that the seafood is fresh caught, I'm yeah. probably going to eat it. Um, because I just could like, you can actually see like where somebody's chopping up your food. <laughs> so I felt a little bit more secure with that. But, uh, and even the eggs were, uh, fresh eggs so it's a it, it kind of supports my theory on how i feel about food but i didn't eat any beef or chicken but it was a, it was a really good experience i, I really enjoy the country so. that's awesome yeah um yeah you didn't miss too much here uh you know we had like a major attack on the east coast gas line um you know we have a former president who thinks that he's still relevant um i mean that's pretty much it yeah. The gas line, I'll say this. Uh, my wife called me today, and she's like, hey, did 
did you get gas? Because I saw the news uh, well, late last night, and I'm like, that happened? <laughs> so yeah. he declared a state of emergency. And I was like, I should get gas in the morning. I didn't because I had a full tank. Uh, I had to you know, run to Winston yesterday, and, and I just came home. But this afternoon, I went to go get gas, and my main gas station, there was no premium. I had to go to another gas station. Uh, the wait wasn't too long, but there were people that were getting agitated with each other, and that was kind of disappointing, you know. Um, Anybody like, with, like, 30 gas cans that they were had lined up that they were filling one after the other? I did see one guy with two gas cans. I was like, I, I think we'll solve this prior to because the last gas shortage was barely a week. And they we were even back said if nobody goes out and does what they're doing right now, mm-hmm. Everything will be fine. Well, I don't think they, they listen. Well, no, they never do. I mean, it's like it's one of those things where I saw it and I went, man, they just shouldn't have said anything. Yeah. Like that's that's one of those things where it's like ignorance is so much better <laughs> in terms of, you know, the effect that it has on the supply and demand of this stuff. So, yeah, like my, you know, I, I saw something at some point yesterday about the attack. Um, you know, the, the malware attack or whatever it was. And it said, you know, oh, we had to shut it down for a little while, but, you know, um, it shouldn't be a big deal. And so I was like, all right, cool. I'm not going to worry about it. Everybody else will panic and go out and, you know, wait hours in line for gas. And it'll be like last time where right. a week later, oh, my goodness, look, there's more gas. Oh. <laughs> um, and so then this morning I was running low. Because we had been down at the beach, and so I didn't fill up after I got back. And I was like, well, I'm going to swing by Harris Teeter because i got to go get some stuff anyways at the store. And they put the Harris Teeter gas station up here where you save three cents with every gallon. Be a big card. <coughs> Shop at Harris Teeter. No. Uh, I, it's just, I mean, literally it's the same price as the gas station next door. And by putting in my phone number, I get three cents off. And if I've spent $100 at the Harris Teeter in the last month, I get... 10 cents off so it's right. like i mean it's just kind of silly there was like no lines you know i i pulled right up there was i mean it was it wasn't even full right like mm-hmm. i got gas and i was like all right cool this isn't gonna be a thing did not even like really thinking like okay everything must have just been fine with that then i go to pick up my kid from school today and as i'm going i see like the line is through the left turn lane trying to get into the parking lot up around wrapped around and then when we're coming back the one that the gas station that's across the street uh on harrison and maynard same thing they've got all like three entrances to it from the walgreens parking lot the harrison and maynard just i mean there must have been a hundred cars between those two gas stations that were lined up waiting to get gas you know what's funny though uh and it kind of reminds me that we live in a different uh, economy. It was premium. Premium was gone in my normal gas station. Right. And uh, mid-grade. And the other gas station I went to, um, thank goodness they had premium because that would have sucked for me. Uh, I had a half a tank, so my car's got pretty good gas mileage, but rather be safe than, safe than sorry. Yeah, I but, mean, I think, I, you know, my... I had like a little over a quarter tank. I had a hundred miles or so, you know, mm-hmm. that I could drive. Like I don't, it wasn't, you know, I wasn't in dire need, but when I stopped, I was like, all right, well, 
I'm going to go ahead and fill up since I'm here. And yeah, like, I mean, it was, I think it was $42 or something like that. I'll tell you what, it cost me uh, $56. Like, the like price was 362.73. Yeah, I, was like, I think, that I mean, it's gone up, up lot, significantly lot. here over the last couple of months. Well, no, that's a 40 cents uh, difference because I filled up before Thanks I went so to Biden. Pl- <laughs> yeah, I was like, man, they really, uh, they're going to gouge this one pretty quick. Um, I mean, they always do. They did last time too. But I didn't, I'll be honest, I didn't really look or care. Right. You know? Um, well, I think last time it felt more dire. You know, right. There there seemed like there was uh, the potential for it to be much longer. Right. And this time it seems like they're like, guys, just don't be stupid. And everybody's like, be stupid. <laughs> I mean, like I did, uh, there was, uh, one of the local sports guys, I think Sports Channel 8, um, that does the WX Moose. He's a, like a weather guy or whatever, too, a meteorologist. Um, and he tweeted a photo of a guy with like 10 gas cans lined up next to each other that he was filling in the parking lot, you know, and he's like basically with a comment, like you people are the reason that yeah. this is a problem. You yeah. Know? My sister texted me earlier. She's like, these idiots at the gas station and next it'll be toilet paper. Yeah. I, I get it. Um, it tells I me a lot. But... Of... <laughs> well, <laughs> so I explain mean... it to me. Like, why are, why is this a thing? You know, I mean, if capitalism is so great, then why is it that these tiny little blips cause these massive, you know, price spikes and, you know, shortage on supply and So I look at it this way. When you think about strategic locations to attack, like the East Coast is one of them. And then yeah. there's pockets in the East Coast where those attacks make the most difference. Uh the RTP is a, you know, if you want to start messing with it technological infrastructure on the east coast start messing with you know the rtp yeah um i don't know the extent of the the hack and i didn't really look too far into it but the solar winds attack was pretty bold yeah um and it just makes me think that we have so much uh of our our lives is connected to technology and we haven't done a very good job of, uh, of, you know, hardening those systems. They're, they're kind of, you know, we thought people weren't going to catch up with us in, in that space. And I mean, that's for how long really the has the FAA operated off of like MS DOS? Yeah, I know. Right. Like that's <clears throat> insanity. I mean, these are things that we can't really protect but I'm really upset because I'm, I'm I am upset because the only t- place I can get Medallia beer is in in, in Florida. <laughs> so when it comes to like figuring out like uh, logistics and like our real data infrastructure, we've yeah. got to figure out some real serious things. Like Andre needs Medallia beer in North Carolina. So how do we make that happen? How do we make that happen? <laughs> Th- those are the important questions <laughs> that we intend to answer on this podcast. The pipeline. <laughs> What we work. need to do is build a pipeline <laughs> for Medallia beer to get from Florida up to North Carolina. Yeah, so um, <laughs> it's crazy. Like it's, 
I get the sincere, I mean, the seriousness of the of the issue, but I also think that long term there are things that we need to really reinvest in. And you mentioned the president, like, and you guys, if you've listened to our podcast enough, you know that we haven't been talking about politics a lot. It's time for politics. I'll tell you my reason for that. I think our political state right now is in such a flux that what the news is presenting, they aren't really issues. What Twitter's kind of amplifying, they aren't, they aren't really issues. So, you know, I'm trying to keep my finger on the pulse of actual issues. And I'm trying to, you know, our current president, President Biden's only been in office for 100 and some change. So I'm going to give him some space and as new bills, not the drama of uh, of uh, of the distractions, I'm going to try to stay away from that because I get tired. I honestly get tired of talking about it. It's like the same old thing. Like uh, I did le- legitimately under that WX post with the guy with the gas cans. Yeah. Somebody commented, uh, you have Biden to thank and like tried to explain how this was all Joe Biden's fault. And I really like part of me just wanted to comment like you win the stupidest comment of the <laughs> Internet Today Award. Like, yeah, those those but, two those two things aren't even like Yeah, they're uh, so not even closely related to each other that it's <laughs> I mean but you're right. Like I feel like to some degree that is an illustration of what you're talking about. You know, that it's these fabricated issues. Even to some degree, like the whole Matt Gates thing where it's like I, I mean, you know, two episodes, three episodes ago, was sitting here like lamenting my obsession, my need for vengeance and justice and all this, and through that conversation, uh, came out on the other side being like, okay, that's not a healthy way to go about living your everyday <laughs> life with someone who ultimately has very little impact on right. on what I do on a day to day basis, and so. Whatever happens with that, I've just decided it's like, it'll happen, you know? Yeah. And me obsessing over it or worrying about it or thinking about it has absolutely no impact on it whatsoever. Yeah, I I just kind of, you're right, and I, that's where I'm at. And that's probably, while well, we're probably going to talk about politics a lot less, um, until there's actually something to talk about. Well, because... and I mean, let's be honest, it's a lot less interesting to talk about politics when you have a competent person <laughs> in the White House. To some degree, yeah, right. But there, like, there are some finger in the pulse issues, like the voting uh, restrictions, yeah. and um, uh, yeah, it certainly doesn't mean that everything is hunky dory. But right. you know, like I, I kind of refer back to one of one of my favorite John Mulaney uh, jokes, where he's he's talking about, you know, well, the other guy, you know, talking about people who were making the argument for the most recent former president against obama and it's like you know well the the guy before was doing the same thing and you didn't care and it's like well yeah the guy before seemed like he was pretty good at his job and generally when someone seems like they're pretty good at their job i don't feel the need to check up on them constantly (laughs) 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 and i feel to some degree that's kind of where we're at where it's like yes we cannot we can't go back to thinking like oh everything is fine let's just move on but it is at least we i feel like we do get a moment to just kind of breathe and say okay like we don't have somebody who's going to potentially hurl the world off of a cliff because right. that's where it felt like we were for a while there. And I mean, we came pretty darn close earlier this year. 
you're not wrong. I but I but I think that you know guys talking right. Like we can get distracted by. Um, I I think the most important thing is to have the conversations, and I think that you know relearning the art of conversations is something that we've we've been sorely missing. Yeah. Um, and it, it's a little bit of hypocrisy to um, like take a talking point and make that your, your, your new belief system, if that makes sense. And I know that's kind of, it's, I hope it's not a stretch, but it's kind of how I believe it's, if I take all the Democrats talking points and make those my political beliefs, I'm lying to myself. Um, because then I'm in the same right. predicament I was in when I decided I want nothing to do with the Republican party. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, you know, I think you and I have been pretty clear that while, you know, we are in, you know, voted and we're in favor of uh, President Biden and Vice President Harris, that, you know, we're not, we're not so naive to think that everything that they do is something that we will ultimately agree with, you right. know, or that there isn't some amount of skepticism that you need to have whenever you're listening to a politician speak. Right. And the things I'm, I'm most concerned about, and it's more um, with our legal system more so than politics, are the, you know, what's happening with Ahmaud Arbery's case. What Those are things where it's like, you know, what I do not like about our media right now is the fact that they're pretty quick to jump on the latest and greatest story, like what's happening down in Elizabeth City in our state. Yeah. Um, and then you forget about it. And I don't think they do it because of ratings, because that's not how our, our justice system works. You're going to have an indictment. You're going to have t you know, time for the attorneys to, to prepare their case. But I'd rather stay now in that case, like the Anderson, I believe it's Anderson. I, and pardon me if I don't remember his name. Um, there are some things that have come to light for me that don't make sense. Like in this state, you can't release the uh, the body cam footage unless there's a judge ruling on that, which doesn't right. make sense to me. Um, so for me, I think I'm probably more interested right now in some of the legal challenges we have as a country than a lot of the political, like infighting and nitpicking about certain things. Yeah. I, I will say that, um, I don't disagree with the upcoming push for the infrastructure bill. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, <laughs> this is something that I've personally been very confused why why every president ultimately hasn't been pushing for something along these lines right. um and it's not to say that it's a surefire like throw money at infrastructure and everything will be fine but it's like i mean you look back at the 1930s what did we do like we built the entire freeway system we built dams like we put people back to work by building up the infrastructure of our country and then we basically stopped at that point in so a lot of ways. I was reading the book uh, that your dad recommended, Where Have All the Leaders Gone? And on, on the plane ride there, and, the, and I'll tell you what, I did no work on my vacation. Like, <laughs> I did like no reading, <laughs> did a lot of eating. And um, of course, I actually bought some great cigars. Uh, not a bad price, but they were really good. I, unfortunately, we all smoked them all. Uh, <laughs> so, so that was fun. Um, but a lot of those things in his book, 
are things that I've been thinking for years. And I, like I keep saying, I could have wrote that book. Yeah. And what, what impresses me is that, you know, 20 years, almost 30 years later, we're still having the same conversation. Right. Um, infrastructure is a short term fix to, uh, and it kind of distracts you from fixing the problem. I think our biggest problem, and this is, well, I guess it is a uh, political statement. Our biggest problem is that we don't look at investment. If Kazai Koka, he basically said, well, the president of the United States is more like a CEO of a company. Any good CEO wouldn't just say, I'm not going to reinvest in my, my company. Right. Or you're going to you know hit a brick wall. That's kind of where I feel in, infrastructure is part of that, that bucket of I, items. Yeah. But it's not the you know be all that ends all. Right. Um, and it's certainly not like the super sexy thing, right? Right. Like in business, a lot of the times what gets people excited is, you know, the new product or whatever it is. But if you're not investing in the infrastructure underneath everything, right, if you're not right. investing in the people and the processes and all of those other things that I learned from you <laughs> over the years, <laughs> then ultimately it's all for naught. I mean, your brand new product might get you some of the way, but it's not going to take you as far as you could go if you actually had the right pieces in place around it to support it. And right. and that's what I think. I mean, you make a really good point that this infrastructure piece, it's not the end all be all solution. Right. But it is a good starting point to kind of reinvigorate. I mean, I think the other thing, because it is somewhat politics related, is the continued unemployment and underemployment numbers. Right. Collaboration. Synergy, thinking outside the box, raising the bar, breaking down silos, shifting the paradigm, disrupting the market, business. Um, everywhere you go here, you see now hiring all positions for pretty much every single business, right? And yet the complaint is we don't have enough workers. There aren't enough people to work because... You know, we that it's the common <laughs> complaints. They're getting they're making too much money getting unemployment benefits to stay home. Um, and it's not to say that there aren't some people out there that I understand would look at, hey, if I can collect an extra 600 bucks for X amount of time, I'll just sit on my ass and do nothing. But I don't think that that's the majority of people. I think the majority of people, if they didn't have a job, would look at the opportunity at a job as like yeah i'm gonna go do this now while this is still available not i'm gonna sit and wait you know what i mean so i what i've been trying to understand and i guess i have failed to find the real answer so far is what's the real problem here is is the issue that the jobs that are available now are of a much lower you know pay level or you know just whatever it is, you know, then what these people left before is it? Cause it's not, it, I can't imagine it's not the same jobs that are opening back up. Right. So the issue is, uh, when we talked, when COVID, the COVID restrictions started to get really heavy, we talked about this and it still remains true. The economy has some gaps in it. Right. And, uh, the jobs that, like it forced a lot of people, you know, actually I was listening to, um, a podcast 
Yeah, I was probably drinking, but <laughs> <laughs> it made a lot of sense. You say with three Corona lights in the background. Yeah, all right. I was yeah probably just continuing this. You know, I'm never really off vacation. Yeah, there are a lot of gaps that were exposed during COVID, and I don't think businesses have actually kind of figured out what that looks like. You know, we're, we're, I know we're going to talk about the the CEO that said, "Hey, I'm not really down with this whole remote working thing." Yeah, um, and like, well, you totally should be because that's the thing, right? Like you, you've now opened the door, and the 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 obstacle that you have now, if you take away these, uh, because you can get the job done with this adjustment, uh, people have started to look at their options again. So if I'm a uh, if I'm an accountant, for example, and I see uh, and I've been working remotely, mm-hmm. I may go find contractor jobs. Right. Um, if I'm a marketer, same thing. There's a lot of things where it's like, you've got to just kind of understand that we've we've entered a new era in what's going to be ex- expected from employers to provide. Now, I'm not saying remote working is the the right way to go, but I will say that there are a couple companies I follow, one being Basecamp and another one being uh, You Need a Budget, where they don't have – well, Basecamp has their uh, main office in Chicago, mm-hmm. but there was talks of them closing it down because you can actually do – you know, you don't need to be in the office. Right. Right? Uh, my wife and I were driving before we left – no, actually on the way to the airport, and we're driving through Morrisville, and um, – funny thing i asked her said hey what businesses do you think need to actually have a physical location and we both came to the conclusion it's like ones that you know do a direct to customer retail right Right. Uh, uh, companies that need to store inventory like a service company like a plumber or electrician Mm -hmm. not a lot need to have a physical location right like that's just the reality and I know that the argument is, well, there's no collaboration. There's no collaboration in offices. <laughs> who, are you, who are you fooling thinking that collaboration happens in offices? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like I, It's interesting because I was talking to one of the parents when I was picking up Helena today um, just about the remote environment and working remotely and stuff like that. And she... Um, can't remember what it is that she does she thinks she works with nc state um and so she i think she's a, a teacher there um and because she was talking about one of her classes and saying that you know when they're in person part of the whole experience for her is being able to see the students interacting with each other in person you can see the sure. body language within the group right. she can walk around the tables and kind of eavesdrop without interrupting but in this new online setting you know they when they break off into think groups, she'll, when she goes to enter, they all know that she's there. And so she's like, it, it changes completely. You don't have the body language that you can read. And she's like, you know, I never realized before how important that was or what a difference that made. Um, you know, and that's something for me in a sales position where I'm working with physical samples and especially things that are very small, uh, and very detailed and very like kind of feel and touch oriented where that's been a real challenge for us trying to figure out how do we conduct you know these sales meetings with customers to be able to get them to understand the feel and the functionality of the product um, you know using second cameras and stuff like that so that we can highlight and focus on pieces has been helpful but it's not something that everybody can do and so I think you're right like work from home is not 
and and like remote stuff is not the solution for everything but there are a lot of jobs that had been looked at as needing to be in an office for the reasons that you've outlined that ultimately it's just not true right and, and I think it's going to be a challenge, and I, I get the un, un, unemployment and underemployment. Um, I'm a strong believer that one thing that 2020 has shown us is that uh, the landscape of new businesses is going to change. It's going to have to change because a lot of the ancillary uh, services that we need aren't really useful, and a lot of those things went under. But part of the new economy is going to be service-related. Um, because that actually addresses, you know, business 101, supply and demand. Right. Uh, you know, making a an artificial supply, I mean, our artificial demand only got us to 2020, basically, is what happened. Yeah. Uh, because things aren't guaranteed to, to actually go beyond, you know, those, those scenarios. Now, if we're smart as a country, We'll make those adjustments if entrepreneurs and, and CEOs are smart and CFOs are smart and uh, D, you know directors of operations are smart. They're going to be like, hey, we probably need to pivot here because the long game is not going to be the ancillary services that we provided or products. It's See, just not going to happen. And that's to double on that. I think what we talked about last year. Mm-hmm. was cities taking the opportunity to say we're the perfect work from home location right we have you know fastest internet speeds in this area we've got lowest cost of living we have all of these great amenities that are available to you move to this area for your work from home location right, right. and i think you're going to start to see a lot more of that as work from home becomes more integrated into you know, the regular practices of business. But I know that there will be those companies that are fighting back just like there were early on. You know I mean? Right. Pe- people were like, no, you need to come into the office and be here. <laughs> so, but that goes to your, your observation that you made of the, the other parent, like watching somebody work isn't always the best way to improve productivity. Um, uh, for example, the, the article I shared about Walmart and how they're, their competitors being um, Amazon, Instacart, and Target mm-hmm. have actually excelled in their business because they were able to pivot quickly. Um, Instacart, the need of that service became greater. Um, Amazon, I mean, the need of that service became greater. Target, the way Target was able to pivot. I see that's the perfect balance of the number one global retailer well, their first problem was their size. Mm-hmm. The second problem was they couldn't, they didn't see the opportunity. But when they did, they still lost out to the more nimble companies. Um, and it just enhanced, or just kind of, for me, emphasizes the the level of like a service economy and the products and, and goods that are going to provide a quicker, more productive, you know, uh, effective service for a person. Yeah, uh, companies are going to have to figure out a way to be able to provide. You know, like in your case, how do you expedite shipping and, and like how do you you know improve your production line and how do you improve your shipping? Because if it's coming from overseas, what does that really look like? Right. This will happen again. Something like this, there will be be another kink in the system, and if we're not prepared for it, 
you're not going to make it. You're yeah. going to struggle. I mean, you may have enough money to keep the lights on for a while, but it's always asking yourself, what's the worst case scenario and are we prepared for it? I mean, look at all the businesses that closed down early in, yeah. you know, 2020 when everything right. started to shut down and it was like, oh, we can't go two weeks without having customers or our yeah. business is kaput, you know, and then it's, um, it's just amazing <laughs> in a lot of ways that people operate businesses in such a manner, but, but w when you live in that credit heavy society and a, uh, a consumer driven, like the CPI index for me is always kind of like whenever that comes out or the comp consumer price index, right. Which supposedly measures like, uh, uh, consumers, you know, the, their, their willingness to spend money in the current economy. Mm -hmm. Uh, so for those of you like, what's the CPI It's my, my security Sorry, system. <laughs> um, I don't think it gives you a full picture. You know, uh, if I'm if I'm hoarding cash, it's because I have you know I'm bearish on what's happening in the economy. And when I say the economy, I mean the real economy. So that means I'm going to limit my uh, discretionary spending and probably focus more on like necessities like food, you know, clothing, toilet gasoline, paper. toilet paper. <laughs> um, when I'm bullish on it, I'm probably going to do things like, you know, take more vacations or buy more extra things for my house or remodel. And when you look at that real index, and if you looked at not just consumer, you know, consumer goods, where which I think is where the CPI is heaviest on, uh, they don't look at the right industries. Like, I'm going to have to buy food. Right. <laughs> that doesn't mean I have confidence in the the actual the overall, yeah the way yeah. that things are going right so right. i th i think that for you know if there was an economist out there that could prove me wrong i'd love to hear it but i think for the most part it's it's no longer true and it hasn't been true for a long time we're just a america is a capitalist country and we consume a lot uh we import a lot of our products and goods that's not all, I mean, it's proven to not help us as a country. <laughs> like, right, like 2020 is a good example of like, huh, we consume a lot, but we don't produce a lot in these areas. Yeah. And I, yeah, exactly. It's like, look where that has left us, you know. Uh, and then there's the thing um, where the, the, the bubbles that we, we've created, like Zillow, like, you know, I, and I have nothing against Zillow. Even though I was a realtor, I, I have nothing against Zillow. I do have a lot against uh, some local realtors that buy their houses <laughs> tax value. I won't. I won't say their names because because we've already said it on this. Yeah. Oh crap! <laughs> <laughs> try try to avoid any defamation. <laughs> but um, where the nimble companies are able to provide services, so I think. All right. So my over arching theme is services nimble and effective services are going to be the way out yeah. like it's not going to be um, your uh, heavy traditional brick and mortar yeah. you know sluggish mentality yeah right um, so if you are a you know adventurous person now's a great time to start a business still you know it's like because I believe that we're going to continue to have these bubbles and the bigger, larger companies that have rode 
uh, inflated valuations in the market, they're just not going to make it. Mm. I just don't, I don't see them making it. Uh, yeah. But yeah. <sighs> what else we got? Um, yeah, I, I think business is one of those things where it's, it's not all, uh, zeros and ones, but, um, it's just a matter of, you know, where we're at and, and looking at it from a, a more realistic you know, point of view. So, uh, you know, it's interesting because I'm, I agree in that I think business is a lot more than zeros and ones. In a lot of ways, business is one of the most like, and you'll probably roll your eyes or laugh at this word, but <laughs> it's like one of the most intimate things that you can do. Like you were, you were kind of putting so much of your own, you know, thought and work and sweat equity into something and allowing other people to come in and be part of that. And oh, I'll, I'll actually give you a thumbs up for that. That was actually, because I believe that. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, we've talked about it a lot, not just on this podcast, but over the years, like there is that unwritten contract between employer and employee where it's like, yeah, I'm accepting a job and I'm getting paid for it. Like there's that part of it, but there's also these other kind of, you know, unwritten, unspoken things that are that are expected. And I think that a lot of a lot of the big businesses, they get to a point where they lose sight of that. You know, like there's mm -hmm. that human element to business like you, you and maybe part of it is that a lot of businesses have started to try to get away from the human element. Right. Like it's like, how do we automate as much of this as we can? Um, but in a lot of ways, it's just, I, what was it? The, um, say Amazon, there's a, the rumor that they have a hiring practice hire to fire, like that they basically lay off 10% of their workforce every year or something like that in certain areas. That's which seems like the most scary. ridiculous and stupidest. <laughs> I mean, like we talk about how much it costs to replace employees and like, I guess if the theory is, you know, we're going to lose these high dollar people at the top and replace them with low dollar people at the bottom, the company becomes more efficient or financially. But like, that just seems like such an awful business practice. You know, like you talk about zeros and ones, that seems like a, oh, I ran a computer simulation. And it turns out we can make <laughs> 0.0003% more profit if we fire 10% of everybody every year. Like... You know, like that seems like one of those things. And, you know, Jeff Bezos was like, do it. <laughs> I, I, I don't think you're wrong. Um, from my corporate background, we would actually project raises and, you know, let's say right around a 30% increase every year. Right. But that 30% had to be, for me, had to be spread amongst like 800 people. Right. Right. Um, but I did believe in hiring my replacement. I always hire people that could do my job in the future. Uh, so I didn't, and I had very, very low churn turn, turnover. Replace, I had, rarely had to do that. Um, but I, I think the key part to that would be like, what is your intent in hiring this person? Right. If your intent is for them to fill a seat, then you probably shouldn't hire that person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I almost made that mistake once. You remember that? Yeah, that was my very life. first hire. <laughs> we were like scrambling. We were told, you need another person. You need to hire somebody. And Andre's like, you don't need to hire anybody. 
You don't, you don't even know what you're doing yet. Like, <laughs> what are you going to do with with a new person? So basically, you're going to hire somebody, and then you're going to tell me that I got to train them and figure this out. Because he's like, I've seen you train people. You tried to train me. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't work. <laughs> but seriously, uh, like that's it is it is probably one of the biggest mistakes that companies make is they they project a number that they need to be able to do something and they say well i gotta have six so you know i've only got four good candidates that i really like but i'm gonna hire these other two to fill a seat and be a body and then three months down the road you get rid of them or what or three of them quit (laughs) or three of them quit or three weeks down the road i mean at e area we saw all sorts of short (laughs) tenure What happened to Sam? Oh, he left. When? Day two. Yeah. It's it's not a um I, I think it's a well, actually I was gonna say it's a white collar problem, but I think that um and I hate the I hate the term white collar and uh skilled and unskilled labor because if if it was that unskilled you wouldn't need to fill the you know, hire the, the employee. Yeah. Um But I, I think it is a Actually, I don't know, I, I, but I think that's very immature. Um, so I had some advice given to me many years ago, and the advice was wherever you work, work like you own the company. Make decisions like you're the owner, and you'll, it'll change your whole perspective, and that's what I've always tried to do. Um, it helped me to accelerate my career because I acted like I owned the business. Um, and, and when you start thinking about uh, – you know, if it's going to cost me total, right? On average, you know, in some situations I've been in, it would cost me about $6,000 to hire somebody. $6,000, you say, yes, to recruit them, to get them like, you know, standard issue stuff from the company to train them. Just and going is, through, I mean, yeah, like the recruitment process, you think about the time you spend reviewing their resume, talking to them right. on the phone, bringing them in for interviews, the amount of time that they spend interviewing with other people, running background checks, like all of the stuff that you have to do, you know, in order to just decide whether or not this is somebody you want to hire. Like right. You haven't even made that decision yet. You're just like vetting them for the job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, it's, it's a, um. It's interesting that people don't think about, I'm going to make a a statement and it doesn't contradict my views on, 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 um, on employee unions, but I think that they're right in why they feel that they need a union. I think that companies stop thinking about the employees at a certain clip. You know, for example, I know every time I got promoted, I would keep myself grounded and, and go like, do the jobs and tasks that other people did because, you know, I didn't want them to feel like, you know, I didn't want myself to feel like I didn't understand. And that advice came to me from my, from my dad. I was 24, 25 and I used to struggle and, um, and I would call him and ask him for advice. And he said to me, Andre, if a person doesn't know the job, how do you expect them to do it? So training has got to be what your number one focus. I had a, my boss's boss, and she later became a mentor to me, and part of her her early career was in training. And she goes, "You don't have a a, peop, a performance issue. Ninety eight percent of your problems are um, are training issues. 
So always ask yourself, how do you train yourself out of this? And that stuck with me, you know, 20 plus years later. Like most people don't go to work to get fired. You know, you've got to spend time training people. And that's something that most people just don't do. Um, and I think it's very valuable that you invest that time. So. I mean, think about all of the time spent in, quote unquote, onboarding, right? Uh, oh, <laughs> and I know you love that term. Um, <laughs> God, it's just a stupid term. But how much of that is wasted? You know, I mean, like I, I, I because this is one of the few like corporate kind of environments that I can draw from experience wise at E area. Like that person's first couple of days was basically, oh, you're going to spend time meeting with all the different department heads and they'll explain what it is that they do and how your role relates to that. And it's like, just train this person how to do their job. Yeah. Like we will talk to each other inevitably. This isn't, you know, happy fun time at day camp, you know. Let's all go around and share something fun about ourselves. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> such the art. It's the artificial thing, and I, I, I think the way out for like our country is when it comes to that is to we're not competitive. We're not competitive in a lot of areas, um, whether it's how we treat our employees to make sure their well being and well being being, well being, <laughs> should be defined as, you know, how are they publicly at work. And how are they able to manage and do the things they want to do in their private life at home? So that that would be my um, that that's one of the weaknesses we have as a country. Um, but yeah, that's where I'm at with that. So again, it's not politics. These are things that you know pe- that affect people. You know, and I'm I've been quiet for a minute because I've been sitting here racking my brain trying to remember where it was. This- or who it was that I learned this from. And and I, for whatever reason, it's completely escaping me at the moment. It's probably some movie or pop culture reference because that's where 90% of my knowledge comes from. Um, but it was essentially the idea that I would never ask an employee to do something I wouldn't be willing to do myself. Right. Right? Like, if I'm going to ask somebody to mop the floor, that's a job that I'm willing to do. If I'm going to ask somebody to take out the trash, that's a job I'm willing to do. You know, in, you know, when you managers, right, when you're in in a position where your team is inundated and needs help, what good does it do you if you have no idea how to do their jobs or aren't willing to get down in the trenches and do it with them? That doesn't mean that's where you belong all the time. I have a hunch where that came from. (laughs) (laughs) So. Because I'm pretty confident I told you about the time uh, when I was, you know, I'd left uh, building houses to go back to said company. And I had this uh, supervisor that was, a, you know, just a hard ass. And he yelled at me at like 6 o'clock in the morning about something. He asked me for a report. I'd never heard of the report or how to get the report. And I was like, dude, you know it's like literally 5.30 in the morning. <laughs> like, and, you can't be cursing at me like five thirty in the morning. That's just not. That's never gonna. Happen. I don't know who you've talked to before. That doesn't work with me. Yeah. <laughs> and every other time, like uh, he would come to that location, he would show me something uh, from cleaning the bathrooms. You know, I had somebody clean the bathrooms, and he went to go check it for whatever reason. And uh, maybe I became his pet project, but ba- but I also think he started to respect me because I told him no. There's a need to show me. 
I'm not doing it because I don't want to. I just don't know what your expectation is. Right. And he like literally, you know, wearing like a really nice white dress shirt. He goes, hey, you know, I know you had so-and-so do this, but let me show you what I'm looking for. And I learned by, you know, that experience of like, you just can't come down on people. He showed me how to clean the bathrooms. And I'm like, and, and I'm serious. Like I literally, you know, I was wearing a nice shirt too. <laughs> Tuck my tie in and I'm like cleaning the bathroom. Um, but those are, you're right. You're not wrong. I mean, it's, that's a, we've gotten away from that, um, you know, that way of, and it's not management, it's leadership, right? Yeah. Um, and, and I, I think there's a, there's a very stark difference between the two and I, I can't express that enough of your, I know I always say management and mean leadership. I just haven't arranged my, rearranged my vocabulary yet completely. Oh, well, again, I didn't even realize it until you pointed it out and I'm sitting here saying, right, and, I, and I'm so trying not to correct management. you. I'm such a nice guy. No, you're you know? such a nice guy. <laughs> so let's <laughs> <laughs> talk about technology. So one thing I wanted to talk about, the M2 uh, Mac chip is coming out where? In the MacBook Pros. Yeah. I called, I called it. So, um, so yeah, you know, I've continued. You know, it's it's funny you bring that up. I've continued to really enjoy my Mac Mini. I've had a couple of issues, though. And like so what? I wanted to know if you've had any of these problems. I keep having my external hard drives uh, saying that they are getting ejected without disconnecting when the computer goes to sleep now i have gone into my mac mini and set Mm -hmm. it to never put hard drives to sleep right like i did not and i've got like i basically adjusted all of the energy energy saving things so i don't know if it's a specific setting on the hard drives that they have a hibernate function that's causing them when the computer sleeps whatever it is but it's driving me nuts yeah i actually that happened to me too and i bought an app for that um, I gotta buy an app. Yeah, it's a and now I, I probably look funny on the screen, but yeah, I actually bought something, and okay. I don't know what that issue is. Um, it's something. I mean, it has something to do with the way that it's obviously communicating with the external drives when it's putting the computer to sleep. You know that it it thinks that it's disconnecting the drives, and most of the time when I start it back up or you know like log back in, they're there. But right. the one like I'm going to become a MS, you know, a Microsoft uh, formatted disk all on my own drive is still giving me like. <laughs> and so I keep like I'm like, all I want to do is get the crap off of here. But it's so slow. It takes forever. And then like I walked away the other day and I came back and they had disconnected and it didn't reconnect. And so I was like, well, great. Now I have like no idea how much information actually moved over. <laughs> yeah, there is a couple things. And that I had to set up, and I now I because I turned well. It's okay. You could you can tell no, me later. Th- you I know just, that doesn't work. Yeah, right? I know. Um, the other issue that I've run into most recently here is that it keeps uh, shutting down or restarting because of some error. It's it's a kernel panic, and that's because of the. Um, what's that kernel panic? Actually, are you sure it's not the sergeant panic? <laughs> You're you're an idiot. With a lieutenant panic? It's called uh <laughs> you're still an idiot. Uh what is the name of that application? Um Yeah, so what well I know I actually downloaded something to fix that. That's cool. I I'll find it. Yeah. And send me a text. Okay. But yeah, that's like a really random uh kernel panic. Gotcha. Oh, I know what it is. It's the sleep function. 
Okay. So in your energy settings, uh huh. Prevent computer from sleeping. Put hard disk to sleep when possible. Wake for network access. That's actually what I have. Right. So I I have unchecked prevent computer. Oh wait, that's what I need. <laughs> So what do you have? I apparently, at one point, I unchecked prevent computer from sleeping automatically when the display is off. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we just solved my problem. Um, okay, cool. Well, that should fix that. Because that was really irritating. I was just like, would you please stop doing this? Yeah, and I never turn my computer off. Well, and that was the thing was I don't normally, right? And so... I I will oftentimes just leave stuff up and walk away and come back and then it's like oh your computer restarted because of a problem and I'm like yeah you're probably yeah I'm sending a- that report to Apple <laughs> you damn right <laughs> I felt real indignant about sending that report to Apple <laughs> I better fix this yeah so that that's those are my energy uh, saving okay. settings so that should fix that then. That's good. Yeah, I appreciate most, that because that that definitely. had seriously been driving me absolutely crazy here recently. Um, in I guess somewhat semi-related. Okay, well, we were talking about the M2. Sorry, we can go back. No, you to said that. you had you had two problems. What was the other? Well, one? that was the other one. Was it the restarting? Oh yeah, it was the, the discs sleeping and <clears throat> restarting. Um, everything else is fantastic. I love it. Super fast. Um, so you probably have um. Yeah, those are the only three boxes I've checked, but you probably have an Wait, application. You have a third box checked? No, I have uh, prevent computer from sleeping automatically. Right. Hard disk to sleep when possible and wake for network access. Why do I want to put my hard disks to sleep when possible? Uh, because I think that's separate from the external drive. That's like the I, onboard. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you have the top three checked. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we'll see if that fixes it, ladies and gentlemen. Um, obviously, not during this episode. Um, but yeah, so I, I don't know. Like, I was a little bummed when I heard that they were introducing the M2. Obviously, understanding that it's going to be in the Pro Series, that makes perfect sense. Um, and so I wasn't going to fork over the cash for a Pro Series right now anyways. Um, so I guess I, why I bummed, I don't know. Um, so that's why I stopped looking at all the news. <laughs> Just like, tune out altogether, and then I don't feel bad about yeah. anything. I can just like, live my life obliviously. <laughs> yeah. So when they, whenever they announce, I'm like, all right, that's fine. But when you think about it, like you'll drive yourself crazy looking at price drops and stuff. I'm like, well, I already have it. So, um, yeah. And it's a sunk cost for me. You know, it's like I'm sure my computer will be. I'll use it for five or six years, and I'm. I, I really in five or six years. Even the M2 or M3 right. would be like not the latest thing. So yeah, I'm amazed that my mid 2012 MacBook Pro is still as good as it yeah, is. Still if capable, I'm being right? honest, and and yeah. that ha- also got upgraded to 16 gigabytes of RAM pretty early right. on, and so that's a big part of it. Um, but even that compared to this with the 16 gigabytes of RAM is just like whoa. it's night and day. Yeah, right? I mean it's not even a competition. Like, I mean, we're talking hours versus minutes when right. video rendering and even, you know, um, like seconds versus, you know, 
45 to 50 minutes for an audio export which right it's um it's fantastic so yeah i'm i will be really curious just to see when they do release the m2s and the macbook pros and start doing some of the benchmarking tests and stuff like that just to see what that chip is capable of um because maybe I'll save up a little bit of money. <laughs> yeah, then you buy like a the uh, M2 MacBook Pro or something like that. Because I don't think they'll. Yeah. So I, I I think they have a tendency because a lot of people like to have their laptops. I really. Um, See, I would almost go the opposite way now. I feel like I would go with like a MacBook Air, you know, with an M1 yeah. chip or something, and get. I don't know. I don't like. I don't want a Mac Tower. They don't do a Mac Mini Pro, right? Right. There's, there's no they need should. Uh, I don't. I don't think so. I think that the Mac Mini is ideal for. Um, so, I, I guess where I, I've come to understand, like the Pro is for people that probably spend a lot of time doing like super CPU intensive work, yeah. like video editing on purpose, right? Right. Um, even as a developer, I, right. your CPU usage is not, yeah, I'm, I'm not rendering, you know, yeah. a 20 gigabyte, anything like, just like, it's not, a thing. yeah, you're not processing, you know, <laughs> terabytes of data, you yeah. know, you're not doing like big data processing and cloud computing on your machine. Yeah. So I, I've come to understand that I don't need to hot rod my computer because I'm never going to use you know, like more than 30 to 40% of the, of the need. Um, and that's something that I've kind of learned over the last like three to five years. Uh, for me, what's important and what I think is, and I'm a heavy computer user and I don't use like word pro I'm not like a guy that just uses Microsoft word. I understand what I'm buying, right. you know? Um, but I'm also, I'm not that guy or that, that, or that lady. I'm just doing, you know, I'm going to buy something that fits in my lane. I'm not going to be like, yeah, I've got like this uh, crazy rig for like, I would even ask, what What do you need that for? Like, what are you going to be doing? I mean, that's a like, fair question. I think you could say the same thing about car guys though, right? Like, what do you, what do you no, even no, own no, that like Ferrari for? Because you... you need that. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> <Like, laughs> so, you do need that. That's fair. Uh, but, I, but I think technology, it takes spins. Like uh, I was reading about how, um, Roku and YouTube or and Google are fighting about YouTube. Oh <laughs> like, yes. Yeah. That, that is the funniest thing ever. It's like guys. Now, I don't know if it's a the way the the article read to me is that they are um using telemetry to that may get some additional user data. At the end of the day, I really don't care. I don't and I but I had a hint that or I, I kind of saw a hint that uh, Roku was trying to monetize that. And I think that's where they're getting selfish. So most people that use Google services, they probably know. Yeah. You know, um, but I don't think that's something that Roku should try to monetize. So basically, because I didn't get a chance to read the article, I saw the headline. Um, but the deal is that Roku is trying to charge Google to get certain bits of data from their devices where they're streaming YouTube TV and stuff. It's a little bit of both, yeah. and uh, Google's recommend or re recommending, kind of pushing developers to uh, change their architecture and stuff like that. And some of that was beyond my my. 
how much I cared about the scope of that argument. Sure. I'm like, eh. Okay, so I think Roku's probably mad because they can't monetize it. And I'm not picking sides on either one. Right. But um, to be fair, like the Roku device is probably the most popular streaming device. So I think at, at the end of the day, they'll come to some type of agreement. Yeah, I mean, it seems a lot like the um, what used to be the big cable network, uh, you know, pissing wars where it's like all of a sudden you'd start seeing commercials for you know spectrum tv will no longer carry channel 63 you know starting on right. this date log on to xstupidwebsite.com and tell them how angry that makes you and it's like okay like so you guys want an extra fraction of a penny and they don't want to pay half of that extra fraction of the penny like I don't care. Why are you making me get involved in this? Just let me watch my cartoons. <laughs> yeah, it's. I think it's funny because like the advent of um, over the top, over the uh, top, like um, like streaming, the those networks lost their negotiating power. Oh, hugely. Yeah. I like, mean, they're, like they're... I I cut cable three four years ago, and I've never yeah. been happier. Yeah, you know, and now with my Hulu, Disney, ESPN Plus subscription, I can watch most of the stuff on ESPN Live if I want to, you know. And so it's like I get a couple of commercials here and there. And every once in a while, I'm like, oh, this is actually kind of nice. Now I know what people are advertising because most of the time, I'm like, yeah, you don't even, know. I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I didn't even see the uh, the Venom two trailer until recently. Uh, oh. Like, I was like half a day Are late. You excited on that. about that? Oh, I'm very excited about that. Did you not like the first one? Actually, I did not. Ah, uh, see, I really liked the first one. I waited forever to see it. This is, I'm telling you, this is my new strategy with all pop culture stuff. It all sucks going into it, and then you're just not disappointed. <laughs> Like expectations yeah. and excitement ultimately just lead to disappointment. That's all it really but, is. But do it with a different genre, right? Like, uh, what was that movie that uh, Ryan Riddles did on uh, Netflix? It was the, the Under- Underground Six? Yeah, that was um, yeah. terrible. But it was a good. It was a good flick. No, it, you know? no, those are literally diametric opinions that we just stated there. I said it was terrible, and you said it was a good flick. Those are, those are not the same. <laughs> I said that's terrible. He said, yeah, but it was a good flick, and I'm like, no, those it can't be both. Okay, okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> like my expectations were so low, but I was kind of like, huh, that was entertaining. See, and that's where I was like, it's Ryan Reynolds. I love me some Ryan Reynolds. I want to watch this movie. I'm really excited right. about this. So, like, Venom Two is probably gonna suck because I'm all excited about it. I don't know. I I thought that there was just enough. Kind of like silly comedy stuff underlying. Yeah, that's what I don't like. But that's, I don't. Know. I don't want comedy in my comics. I'm going to watch the movie, but the thing for me, is, I don't oh, want comedy in my comics. What comics I, I just, are you reading? I'm not reading Archie Fool. You have <laughs> Spider Man behind you. Like, yeah. he's one of he the makes, quippiest 
Yeah, I'm gonna say he makes quips and you move on, right? Iron uh, but I Man. Want... I mean Tony Stark. Like he's sarcastic. He makes quips. He moves on. It's comedy. I can't even believe that we're having this discussion right now. I don't want comedy in my comics. What do you want? You just want it to be all serious all uh, the time? I don't want Thor Ragnarok ever again. That was an amazing movie. That is one that of my awful, favorite Marvel films that they have done. They made that film for people like you. Yes. That's racist. Yes, they did. <laughs> and I'm fine with that. They didn't make that for like they didn't make that movie for me. No, they didn't and make I, it for like the hardcore comic nerds. And look, I will say that when I first watched Thor Ragnarok, I I came away from it and my immediate reaction was that movie was really funny for a movie where an entire planet blew up. Died. Right? Like, <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> like, there was an awful lot of comedy. Maybe the tone wasn't quite right. And then I've just watched it every time since and laughed and enjoyed it and found, I just, I don't know, the Thor character himself was so terrible in the first movie because he took himself so seriously. But and ever since see- then, I feel like, and maybe you, maybe I see where you're like, they crossed a line. They went too far with it. But no, like this is, I, I don't know. This is what I'm here for movie-wise anymore. Like entertainment. You, you better entertain the shit out of me. I, I got And it. I I'm need not, to be I'm able not, to laugh a little bit. That's where. I'm not going to argue that point. I think entertainment value, and that's why when I watch these movies, I have to change my expectation. My expectation is this is just entertainment. It's going to be a stretch to see if they actually stick to the storyline and, and stick to the comic, right? Because they're not trying to really, like... Right, because that's get... not the point. The point isn't yeah. to isn't to pay homage to right, the, the comic, right? It, for, right? For a lot of... For some directors, right, or people that are working on the film, that is a big part of it. Right. And I, I'm sure those are probably the films where you have a little bit more appreciation for them. Yeah, and I, I don't hate them because I want to see those characters live action. And I'm like, okay, fine. So I, I actually watched uh, Jupiter's Legacy on, on Netflix. The reviews can go screw themselves. <laughs> was I, I, I the, can't any, tell if the, that was a thumbs up or a thumbs down from you on Okay, <laughs> so the critics can go, like, they, they're, I, I don't care about critics, sure. right? Like, I watched it, and I, I really enjoyed it. Okay. Uh, now, granted, the, the one criticism I had was the, um, the, the time jumping, and they're trying to do literally three storylines in one, mm-hmm. it, it seemed like. Um, well, yeah, my, in my view, it was how do they get there? present day in the family drama right and what that meant that was a little bit of a stretch for me because i could probably manage two <laughs> like i couldn't manage like all three yeah and i had to remember like no this is important because w- once you get to like episode six through eight then all the streams started to make sense to me like oh that makes sense right i wasn't really getting it like up until episode six. See, and I'm like I'm okay with shows like that where it takes you a little while to get for it to click and things, and you know, and then you're like you start piecing things together and you're like, oh, okay, like you know, I hate it when shows try to do that and they do it badly, you know, right. like when when it's when it is poorly done, it is so atrocious. But when it's really well done, then it can be really enjoyable. Right. 
and I, and I so for me the super like and I've talked I talked about this before the superhero genre for me is um it, it's giving hope to a hopeless kid right and I I like those stories because we all want to see ourselves as a hero in our own story just so long as it doesn't make you laugh because. <laughs> Now I'm going to say it. Life's not funny, fools. I mean, like, seriously, you're like the grumpy old man over here. Like, I don't want to laugh at my comic movies. Blah, blah, blah. Like, <laughs> it's a comic book. Comic. Comic. <laughs> comic. <laughs> and with that, ladies but, and gentlemen, this has been... No, I'm just... <laughs> 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 now Andre's over here pouting, right? No, I... I I hear that. I know, and yes. I'm just being an ass. Like, I understand what you're saying. And I know because you are somebody who appreciates all of the history of those storylines, right? Of all of the work that went into that. And I think when you see it done like Thor Ragnarok, it seems very half-hearted, right? Like and very gimmicky. Yeah, and I understand that. And as somebody who did not who grew up a fan of comic books but wasn't that invested in the actual like overarching storylines mm-hmm. that has less i guess is is less concern or of less concern to me i'm just i'm okay with a thor ragnarok because i like it it's entertaining because it is and, yeah and, it's it's pure entertainment and and i i respect that and i get that so i don't want to take away from the people that you know, participate in these movies, direct them, right. and write them. I, I think they do a great job. But for me, it's like I what I have to hold on to is the fact that, oh, now I get to see Thor be a person, right? Um, I also watched Shadow and Bone, which was surprisingly good. I actually binge watched that. <laughs> like, I thought you were on vacation. Like <laughs> this is this is before I went on vacation because the trailer looked. Dope, See, yeah. and it's funny because I, like, I just got an, e- an email from Netflix today that had both of those shows in there um, and recommended them to me. And so I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'll... I sent uh, the Jupiter one to Christy, and so we were going to start watching that at some point. But yeah, I saw The Shadow and Bone was in there too. I didn't get a chance to look at that, but... It may actually made me want to read the books. It made me actually say, yo, this is an entirely interesting universe right um and it's not one thing i've I've started to recognize in like the uh fiction things i read it's not about the escapism so for example uh game of thrones would be a book where you're just escaping like just for whatever reason (laughs) like you've decided i'm committed to to this journey and i'm gone um and what a commitment it is yeah and oh how you've been rewarded for that commitment (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think Shadow and Bone is probably more my speed. And I know it's a it's a young adult novel, but You're a young that, adult? Yeah, sure I am. <laughs> like like yesteryear. <laughs> right. If they if she can write that well and put together all those pieces, that's brilliant writing. And able to weave in a lot of things like the curiosity that was peaked for me just by watching that show was I couldn't stop watching it. Like, I almost had to just turn my 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 TV off in my office. I'm like, I got work to do because <laughs> <laughs> I'm over here like legit, like watching a, a ten minute stretch when I should be working. It was just that interesting, huh. right? Um, so I think the books may be just that enjoyable. 
and, and so for me i get the entertainment value like it that show introduced me to something i want to read now yeah if that makes sense yeah uh the comics thing that that's super it's the the reverse it's like eh, why are you messing with that it doesn't make sense but you don't have like you know these actors that are, that are going to play these roles for like 15 movies to really kind of get the 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 full depth of the story so that's probably not going to happen right um so i have to kind of remember that you know like i'm really interested in uh what happens with the boys was like that too like that that show was super interesting to me that although it was kind of dark and like i'm not that show was uh, like i really liked that show and right. the like the approach that it was taking to that the whole superhero genre you know and kind of like like what happens when superheroes go unchecked um which is not i mean it's not unique to the boys that's been done in right. marvel and dc as well obviously but um it was really interesting but yeah like it just i don't know man it was one of those shows where i really wanted to watch it and i couldn't i could not i could not get past like I just I hit a wall where it was like the buildup of all of the dark shit that happened was just too much. And I was like, all right, I got to take a break. And then it, the new season came out and I was like, you know, like I kind of want to catch up. I kind, But I just couldn't ever bring myself to do it. So and I think that's the difference between like our own life experiences, if I'm being honest. Right. Um, and and I'm, I'm, this is not an insult, but I think that the lens you see life through often predicts and determines what you find as, you know, a show you're going to watch. Sure. Right? Um, What's engaging entertainment in that way, you know? Yeah. Or like for me, it's, it's, it's more or less exploratory, right? Um, how, how good is good? Like the boys for me was that was answering that question. Like how good is good? Where's the line at? What where do people's motivations really like? Um, where do they decide that they're motivated by some like higher moral, or they're just as base as everybody else? Because that's how I see life, you know. Um, like I'm I'm often surprised by like the people I didn't think I'd be very close with. You'd be be an example uh, where it's like, huh, he's genuinely a good guy. That's it's it's a it's an attraction level like psychologically um because we all have our perceptions about everything and you know i'm often reminded in my life and my friends that huh i was wrong right and the boys was that for me where it's like now nah, i can't get this bad i'm like yo that really got super bad <laughs> like they went it went super dark really quick so but i'm i'm interested by the human psychology of like you know, where do people uh, draw those fine lines, you know? Yeah. Because that's, that's our, unfortunately, that's our world. And, you know, it's like I was, I saw a trailer for a Stephen King movie that's coming out this summer. And I just think, huh, he must be a pretty, like, evil person. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is the stuff that comes out of his head, you know? Yeah. I've often kind of wondered that with, you know, writers and stuff, uh, authors, you know, like, where do these ideas come from and at what point does it i mean like the lines must blur to some degree i would think after a while you know like or or and not that everybody immediately like crosses into you know 
But yeah, like I mean, like Stephen King has written some really twisted, messed up stuff, and. But what does that say about our society? Like, I, as much as I don't like philosophy, I think that certain writers, certain movies, make us question things, like at that level. And I think that screenwriters and and not you know people that write novels, they probably have more insight than philosophers, because there are questions that we have, and we decide what the next steps are. Often, you know. Um, it goes back to my, you know, how I, you know, make the difference between Marvel and, and DC. Um, and I, I find that intriguing. Like, I really do. Like, I'm just like, huh, like how, how good can this get? Or like how, how confused will the person be with the next step? Or how bad will it get? It's never like binary. It's like, no, we always have a choice. Mm-hmm. We always have a choice to pull back. We always have a choice of deciding, you know, where that limit is because those are things that mentally attract me. Like, huh, I, I, I was wrong or I was right. Or like what happens next? And I get pissed off when I have to like make up my own story because they ended. I'm like, you (laughs) You never watched lost. Did you? Oh, I did. I hated it. My my wife made me watch that crap. And uh, I kind of jumped in at season two or three. Yep. Yeah, you did the exact same thing that I did. I think I came in at like season three or four. Um, I had watched everything because, you know, like my roommates at the time, one or two of them had become completely and utterly obsessed with it. And they had all the DVDs. And so it was like, okay, you know, I I was at first it was like, I'm not going to watch because everybody's watching it. Right. Like I I used to be one of those people, one of the hipster kids. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, okay, fine. Like they, I've seen enough that it looks kind of interesting. I'll tune in. Let me see what this is about. Then I get hooked and I'm like, oh my God, the first two seasons are so amazing. (laughs) And then I get to season three and I'm like, why did you make me watch this show? And then I get to season four and I'm like, okay, coming around season five. I'm like, yeah, season six even. I'm like, this is awesome. I can't wait to figure out what all the answers are at the end. And then it's literally like the show ends and then... Okay, wait, what? <laughs> Lost made me... The only thing it made me do is appreciate Netflix because I'm so glad I did not waste my time with that show when it was live. I would be... like, and I thought Lost was some WPS stuff for real. Like, I I'm mean, like, yeah. I was like, I'm not even trying to watch that because... Everybody's talking about it, and nothing makes sense to me. No, the, the, I, the whole the last thing, episode. I mean, yeah, it's Ooh. all this, you know, mystical powers and weird weather and all. I mean, it is like that's some. W- but it went nowhere. No, that's what I'm, I mean. That's the problem, right? Is that they literally at the end were like season six. Let's introduce something we haven't talked about at all before. And then the final episode, instead of answering all the other questions that we brought up in the previous five seasons, we're just going to answer that and treat it as though that is somehow a fulfilling end to the six years that people have put into this. I mean, like, I... (laughs) It was all Game of Thrones. It was. I mean, you're not wrong. Like, and if I'm not mistaken, one of those dudes that worked on Game of Thrones was from the Lost Crew, right? I think, yeah, the writers... Lindelof or something uh, like that, one of the guys. 
Yeah, the and it's the not writers. just. I mean, like there were good episodes of Lost. You know, like again, there were good seasons. The Hatch. I mean, like season two is one of the greatest. It's probably one of the greatest seasons of television. Like it's up there. Uh, you know, top ten, top twenty, somewhere in there. But you can't. You know, like I'm at the point now where I think like the the like the English, you know, British TV has it. It's like two seasons and we're done. Think about it. how many shows where the second season is probably the best season. Okay, so I will agree with that. I I think it it's because um, you run out of stuff to do. It's source material, right? So I, I I that's why I think the superhero genre is like yeah you've run out I mean we've we've beat that to horse to death at this point <laughs> actually actually no I think the storylines are you have almost unlimited story material like when you think like back in the day uh, when I used to buy comics there was a new issue every week yeah but I feel like even then I don't know I feel like in the in the movie era they're more They've been more prone to just continue to draw from like classic Hollywood movie tropes as opposed to trying to actually develop new stuff in the same sense that I think that they would do in the comic book world. Actually, I, I disagree. And here's why I disagree. Uh, like, Look, for example, that's not what this podcast is about. OK. Oh, I'm, well, we're going to start. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to start. Uh, for example, the Batman and the way that I can't Matt Reeves, the way he describes it as it's a multi multiverse Batman focus on year two. And we're going to focus on this storyline. That storyline is one of the dopest storylines of the Batman story. Doesn't take away from Ben Affleck. Doesn't take away from, um, uh, what's his name? Christian Bale. Christian Bale. Doesn't take away from the storylines at all. And that's why I think that there's a, a richness in the that genre. That's why it's lasted so long. We're talking like a strong twenty years. Yeah, and I see what you're saying stories. that you can you can basically reboot and do all these other storylines, and you it's do have a lot, a lot of well, it's not a reboot, but in the film sense, it is because in a lot of times you're just kind of like, okay, well now we're going to jump over here and tell this part of the story. And then we're going to you know this series is going to tell this part of the story and yeah, yeah. you know, or, or whatever series of comics that, you know, happen to be released in that time period, um, which, which I am, I am a fan. Like, I love the way that comics do that. You know, that there are right. these eras of comics and that in a lot of cases, it's basically, Hey, you're being handed the keys to this character and everything that's come before it to do whatever you want with. But it's a lot of responsibility, you know, and I think like there's a in some ways there's been like this almost like a sacredness to it, you know, like, oh, well, uh, it, this is something really important. But at the same time, guy, artists have not been afraid, it seems, to kind of put their own spin on it. You know, I think. I I think the stories you're, you're right. I agree with that part, uh, even though I said at the beginning, I disagree. I think that you make the stories become timeless at, at some point, right? And you can kind, you can actually, um, you can, you can actually cement those in history. And the reason, and I said this before, the reason why Americans love comic books so much, and actually, uh, there's a couple of French artists I enjoy also, it's because we have no mythology, and, and those comics, you know, you look at the advent of World War II, and how they really gained steam and popularity 
have become our like our mythology. Yeah, they are our Greek gods in a lot of ways, right? Yeah, yeah. So we, so for me, it, it's almost as an art form, the the comic translating to the film is cementing those you know those particular like i won't i won't use the word deities but they they cement those childhood stories just like old you know uh tales that were passed down from generation to, to generation uh another show for example that does the same thing is uh american gods which comes on stars so that's another one where i loved that show and watched most of the first season Mm-hmm. And then I just kind of like forgot about it. Like I got distracted and then I was like, oh, I really need to go back and watch that. And then like three seasons later, I was like, oh, I kind of forgot about that. <laughs> but I really, I I really liked the beginning of it and everything when I got into it. So I, I know where it's at. I just won't say it. Yeah. Well, no, I know. I understand. <laughs> I, I guess I have some catching up to do. No, but I, I really like that because I thought. That it, it's a really interesting way to look at that. Um, right. You know, the the idea that these things that we glorify in that way ultimately become kind of these godlike figures, right? And it right. obviously are embodied by these specific, you know, personas in the show. But, um, I yeah, it was one of my favorite things was sitting there trying to figure out, well, which which god is this you know like which american god is like where's the american god of football like <laughs> <laughs> he'll be in oh that's six. right it's jerry jones <laughs> <laughs> i i think that it, it's when those when writers like that that's another uh series of books i want to read because it's so intriguing right um and again i like the psychology of it mm-hmm. I respect the sociology of it because a lot of those things don't change. They inter- they constantly interweave with each other. Um, it shows us that our uh, it shows at a base level again that we look for ways to understand things we can't understand, and to be able to visualize or understand it audibly is something that we strive for uh, because life is very. Life. And the difference, I mean, here's my definition. Complexity is normal, right? Complicated means there are little to no options to solve. And it's it's not a semantical, like, debate for me. It's kind of like, no, some things are complex. You have to put some effort in and try many different ways to get an answer complicated eh, there's like one or two <laughs> and hopefully you can get to like you know if you're smart enough you can get to like three options and i think that the the, the complexity of of how our brain works we try to constantly dumb it down so we can understand it and there are some things in our society where we they're complicated yeah. you know yeah i um, mean i think you know we as as humans want to be able to identify and categorize things you know to make it easier for us to understand and to remember i mean that's a lot of the ways that our brain works in terms of our memory storage function is through identification you look at the way that you know over time uh, the scientific identification of animals and plants right i mean like that's 
it's ridiculous the level right. of detail that's gone into that and yet that's what people dedicate their entire lives to um and so yeah like I, but it, I, yeah, it's um but it is interesting to see that kind of what happens when that natural drive comes up against something that is difficult right or or like right. you're saying that is complex um because it's not always something that can be broken into smaller parts or dumbed down. It, it is sometimes just a very complex process or a very complex system that you need to be able to understand, and it takes time. Um, right. And I think ultimately, in a lot of ways, right, you, you still perform that same basic function of understanding, relating it to things that you already understand, and then figuring out how you identify, categorize, and store that information for retrieval later. Um but the better that we get at, at kind of managing that, you know, I think the, the, I don't know, for some reason I was going somewhere with like computers and something, you know, that, it, I mean, it's very computer-like, I think, it's, in a way. It's very, it's Which very makes similar, sense because, you know, we built computers, so why wouldn't yeah. we <laughs> design them the same way that our brain essentially functions, but. Uh, there's, um, no, I, I, and I get what you're saying about like uh, entertainment value, but. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But the curiosity is something that we have to, it goes back to what I was talking about earlier. We, we're afraid to have those conversations where, you know, we become uncomfortable with our curiosity to ask questions. Well, and I think, I mean, in the current climate, you know, socially and somewhat politically, sometimes asking those questions is is viewed as unacceptable, right? By some groups. I, I I don't I don't care. No, I'm I'm not saying <laughs> No, I'm I'm saying like no, I I respect <laughs> But I'm just saying like I I agree. I think that some people it, I think that it, unfortunately it influences some people not to ask the questions because they're afraid that by asking the question they are proving that they don't know the answer already and will therefore be ridiculed for it. But I don't, I mean, I'm with you in that. I don't think that there's anything wrong with asking the question respectfully, right? Like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, um, how is somebody supposed to learn, right? If they're, or if they don't ask questions. So there, there was a term that was thrown around in corporate America. I want to say about, um, I'd say eight years ago. And the term was valuing the differences. Now, there's a few terms that, like, were, you know, whoever decided them that I would actually catch on to. Like, oh, I, re I really like that. Valuing the differences for me is something that, um, uh, so publicly, I'm scared of not understanding, right? Like, that's probably one of my, you know, top 10 fears of, of just not understanding. Because I think that, you know, choosing to walk away from like exploring the answers to the question is pretty stupid. Because, you know, worst case scenario <laughs> is always somebody's going to try to hit me. And, and I, I know that there's a less than 1% chance that's going to happen. Um, so I have to make myself ask questions because, you know, Sure, I'm uncomfortable, but what am I trying to do? Am I trying to build, salvage, or strengthen a relationship? And for me, my, my comfort has nothing to do with that. Um, and that's why I say I don't care. And I, and I think that um, 
it's a it's a sure sign of weakness and not being in you know a smart enough person to get beyond yourself and the the the, the tightening of my stomach when i ask certain questions or if i share certain things i can swallow that again <laughs> like eh, it's okay it'll be fine and so i i think that's you know where people need to get more bold you know um and, and that's you know for anybody listening yes i I am not. I play confident on TV, but I'm really not. I'm like I'm super insecure about a lot of things, um, you know. Uh, but I, I'm more afraid of not understanding than I am of just going around being willfully ignorant, and that that's something I have to. You know, I const daily. I daily go through this, where it's like ask. Well, if I ask, that means that I'm pretty man. So you don't know. You, you just don't freaking know. It's okay. Yep. Um, and I think more people need, just seem to get okay with that, you know. And you're right. There's a lot of criticism of, uh, you know, like I listened to James Carville talk about the, you know, the the wokeness of the country and how it's a detriment. He's not wrong. We don't speak plainly anymore. There's a lot of faculty talk, and I, I do agree with him with that sentiment. But I don't believe that we can't get beyond that. Right. You know, uh, I personally don't like the word woke. There's a lot of things where I'm like, intellectually, I don't understand or, agree. first, I don't agree with it. And then there's a, a vast majority of things where I'm like, I don't understand that. Like, I, you got to help me understand that. And like, stop speaking to me, like, uh, or speak plainly to me. Just tell me what you're trying to say. Um, I'll tell you two conversations I had today where, I literally had to make myself push through and ask the right questions. I won't tell you the details, but there was a, um, a conversation where somebody that's a professional in a field said something to me and they asked me if I agreed. And I said, I understand what you're saying. I fundamentally disagree with why you're doing it. And it forced them to reevaluate what they said to me. Right. Um, and if I didn't do that, I would have, you know, let that thought linger of like, yeah, that didn't make sense. <laughs> like, I just, like, I just don't understand that. And I was going to struggle through like the decision-making process, but I had to make myself be honest and say, uh, and, and I actually had to pull back my disclaimer of, you know, you know, saying like, well, let me be honest with you. Cause I'm, I'm typically always honest with people. I was like, well, let me just speak clearly. I had to remind myself to just be like, hey, I understand what you're saying, but I fundamentally disagree with you. And we were able to get to a point where I said, okay, I accept what you're saying, not just intellectually understand it. I may not like it, but I think that's the right step. And we've had those types of discussions. Yeah. Um, and then the second conversation, somebody told me something where, like I never had a follow-up when they said it, but it, it, it lingered in my mind. And as we're talking, I'm like, Hey, mental, I had a mental sticky note. <laughs> hey, when you said this, what did you mean? You're like, what, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, you said this, we're here and you said this, but I wasn't really sure what you meant. And if I didn't do that, it would have been a problem for me mentally yeah. and emotionally. So when I say, I don't care about like, Sure, I just don't care. It's <laughs> just like, hey, you got to get to a point where you can like just be, you know, we're all 
not as brave as we play on TV, but there's a point to where we can we can make those things happen. I'm not so. as brave as I play on TV. That's a problem because I don't think I play brave, very brave on TV. Well, <laughs> <laughs> so if even if I'm even less brave in real life, no, it's um, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't want to. I mean, I I don't want to like muddle up what you said because I think it was said very well. But uh, those were things that I struggled with when you and I first met. You know, like having those difficult conversations and recognizing that you can be honest with somebody in a way that isn't, you know, trying to hurt, like do them harm, you know, like if right. you, if you're coming, especially in business and in leadership, when you're trying to teach somebody something, you know, like not being honest with them is a detriment to both you and their success. Um, right. which was one of the key things that, that you taught me early on. Cause it was like, I was sitting there watching people fail. You know, and you were like, why are you doing that? And I'm like, well, what if, you know, like, I don't want to hurt. And like, you'd, So you'd rather watch them fail than risk hurting their feelings because you taught them how to do it right. You know, and it's and it is like you have to be able to set those clear expectations with people and follow up. And if they don't get it, it's it's training. Right. Like <laughs> that was I mean, that was so key to everything that we did in our time at E-Area, you know, like being able to get people up to speed quickly enough that they were able to contribute and take ownership of certain pieces of things made everybody else's life that much easier. And if we hadn't focused on that, we would have been just sitting there chasing our tails, hiring people that were going to leave three months later for some other position. Yeah. And, and I think that, um, you know, the the word leadership for me, you see, I noticed. Focused. You notice I use it that time. I didn't mess it yeah. up. <laughs> I, I'm proud of you. <laughs> well, you can take the stone from my hand, grasshopper. Yeah. No, it's 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 not just a your public life, but it's also your your private life. One of the books that kind of actually even helped me to make that delineation was the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And, you know, understanding what you're trying to do is is very important but actually trying to get better all the time it, it makes the you know it, it makes you a better person and and i admit and i tell people all the time i'm super insecure you, you know many people think i'm like this very confident person and i'm like no i'm not <laughs> i'm like i'm so insecure and part of it is just because of the way that you present yourself and i think the fact that you you do um your whole like you know well i I'm just going to be honest. I'm just going to tell people what I'm thinking. I'm going to approach it from a standpoint of like, I'm not be trying to be an asshole. This is just, this is how, this is what I think. This is how my brain works. Um, help me understand, right? What you're saying, because I, it doesn't make sense to me. And most yeah. people are terrified of that. And so to see somebody else do it, they think, wow, that guy must have all the confidence in the world that he's willing to publicly state that he doesn't know the answer to something and he's asking somebody else, you know, like to help them explain it or, you know, doesn't understand what somebody's saying. I don't know. I mean, I, like I, I think there is, I, I don't know what it comes from, but there is a, there is, a, I mean, there's part of me that sometimes is like, yeah, just agree <laughs> with what the person's saying so we can <laughs> just move on. Even if I didn't hear what it is that the person said, you know, <laughs> it's one of those like, huh? Yeah, sure. That makes sense. Let's go. 
my daughter taught me a very important lesson about myself uh, while on vacation. She says to me, Dad, you know what you do? Like, um, when uh, she says you never, there's sometimes you don't say what you're meaning. And you always step back and say, what I was trying to say was this, right? Mm -hmm. And I was like, huh. And I did it again. I literally, like, she just said that. I said, my my issue is, hun, is that I I don't like to be misunderstood. And when I say something because I'm trying to be, you know, amicable to everybody and, and, and what have you, I often don't express myself. And my wife actually said, you're a very slow speaker. I said, it's because I'm thinking about what I'm saying. That's because you're not speaking in Spanish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I really think about what I'm saying to people because I, I think that words are super important. That's another and thing, I, though, is I think like you're perfectly comfortable with the with that moment of silence and taking the time to think before you respond. Whereas most people, for whatever reason, have been kind of conditioned to feel the need to respond immediately, you know, to fill the the void with some sound because that because the, the, otherwise it feels awkward. And, you know, it's something that. I had to kind of get used to, honestly. And that even I've started to adopt more where it's like, no, the silence is fine. Yeah, it's not going to hurt you. Yeah, exactly. You know, what's going to what's going to hurt if I call you stupid? (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be bad. It's going to be terrible. (laughs) Because I have like two, like two speeds, like "Eh." (laughs) that worked or it didn't work. Like, Don't say it to me ever again. But it, it it really made me think like it made me think about that. It was like, huh. Well, it's good that my daughter can recognize like how people communicate, which is that was a plus. You know, I didn't like what she said because I because I tried to. Um, and my wife always said, you talk. You're like she she always reminds me of like uh, when when President Obama was doing doing an interview and uh, he was telling the feedback of of his wife and daughters. I'm like, man, it takes you a long time to say something. I'm like, cause that dude's thinking about what he's saying. I'm like, I respect that. <laughs> like, I mean, so look, what we had is the alternative immediately after that. <laughs> she said, even in your podcast, you you're like slow, and Chris is like, like real quick. I'm like, yeah, but I'm trying to like in a short amount of time think because I want it. I understand the importance of words. You are a very yeah. deliberate person. Is the way yeah. that I put it. It's I don't think it's a matter of you know slow or or speed or anything like that. I just think yeah, like you, yeah, the whole not wanting to be misunderstood or not not liking being misunderstood. I just think that you weigh your words very carefully, you know. And I I don't have any problem with that. I, obviously, we're best friends, so. Yeah. I mean, if I did, that'd be really weird. Like Chris, you got a weird way to picking best friends. <laughs> This guy takes like twenty minutes to say something. It's like no, because you want to make sure. I want to make sure I understand. I want to make sure I communicate myself to like on the first pass where I have like a, you know, a pause where I can like. Do I need to explain that more? Because I think it's very important. Um, and it's never about. Uh, I don't know. I think that as a society, that's something we need to do more of. Yeah. You know, um, I yes, I am my own worst critic, and I I accept that. But. I try my best to make sure I'm the best me 
and that I can help others to um, see the best of them. And I don't get it right all the time. And, you know, like I said, I, I had two conversations today where like it challenges me to actually think about what do I really believe. Um, the the shortcut would have been to just like be done with it. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I don't want to take the shortcut. I want to actually, you know, I want to, when I die, right, there's an exercise. Um, so I took a class that was based on the seven habits and it haunts me to this day, right? And the exercise is kind of grim. It's basically, you know, imagine your funeral and what do people say about you? You know, how do they describe you? What type of person were you? And I want people to, you, you didn't have to like me, but I, all I want at the end of the day is people to say, I respected the fact that he was fill in the blank, you know, um, that's very important to me. You know, I, I want to make sure that at the end of the day, at the, when this, when the, when the day's dead and gone, I want it to be a good song, basically. You know, Andre, a guy would, he would never take an excuse, but he would always push you to be better. And he expected the same thing of himself. So at the end of the day, that's what I want for me. And so I try to make sure I create an environment for my friends and family. Um, because I think that, you know, once we can spark the, the right conversations, we make the world a little bit of a better place. And I think that's very important for, we have kids. Um, I want the world to be better for, you know, my little buddy that got, <laughs> got a chance to speak to today. Yep. I want it to be better for my kids and their kids. And it only starts, it only starts when a few of us decide to do the right thing. Yeah. So and it all, I think, you know, ultimately it all starts with a conversation, right? I mean, that's part yeah. of the reason we do this is because it helps us, um, but also because we're hoping that this encourages more people to have these kinds of open and honest conversations. Ask the questions, you know, um, say the things that are on your mind, but make sure that people understood what it is that you mean. Yeah. And, you know, we um, we're always super 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 glad people listen um one thing i would ask again is that if you like this this episode you can like it on all of our multiple uh channels soundcloud spotify apple Podcasts, pandora google podcast tune in and for people that have subscribed to our rss feed we appreciate that that's awesome uh the video version is available on youtube now and we're going to continue to make this better subscribe and like um Please, 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 because we're so nice and <laughs> every little bit helps, honestly. Yeah, um, leave, leave comments. <laughs> yeah, all of the, I mean, it, you know, we're back in it's I, I feel like I'm, you know, I've stepped into a time warp to like seven years ago where I'm back having to figure out how uh, different <laughs> algorithms work to try and get, you know, more eyeballs on content. But um yeah, any you know anything that you as a fan or friend or family member who may be listening to this um, can do to help spread the word and like, share, subscribe, all that stuff. You can turn off notifications if you want, but um, all those little things help us to get shared a little bit more and get a little bit more visibility on the different platforms. Um, and obviously visiting our website at chrisandandreshow.com. Um, we've got, Andre's got some new blog posts that he's put up in the last couple of weeks. Um, some stuff on 
setting up geeky computer things that even I don't understand. <laughs> um, I've actually I've still got a ton of movie reviews that I've got to put up. Um, so maybe I'll get on that this week or something. But um, I don't know. Where else do we need to send the people? <laughs> Yeah, you can also <laughs> you can send us emails at comment at chris and show dot com. Oh yeah, that's right. What? That's that's different. Uh, you can always send me an email at uh, andre at chris and show dot com. Chris at chris and show dot com. Hit us up on Twitter at uh, chris and andre, or look us up on Facebook at the Chris and Andre Show. We always have stuff going on. We're trying to. You know, really build a great platform, get some feedback, build a community. It's going to be great once we make that happen. Uh, we have guests lined up for the future. That'll be great. If you want to be a guest on the Chris and Andre Show dot com, send us an uh, email at comments at Chris and Andre Show dot com, and we will definitely you know reach out to you and see what we can do to uh, make that happen. But it's not just about our opinion; it's about you know, just, you know, being friends and Chris is one of my best friends. I have a small circle and we get, you know, this is, if you went out to lunch with us, this is probably what we, these are literally about. the conversations <laughs> that we have at lunch. Um, yeah. there might be a, a little bit more personal stuff, maybe mixed in things that we don't always, uh, want to share publicly with the entire world. But for the most part, yeah, I mean, these are, these are the things where Andre will call me, you know, and we're on the phone for 45 minutes to an hour talking about three or four of these different topics. And so we have to be really careful during the week not to do that so that we actually have content to still discuss on the podcast. I was just telling him earlier, I was like, I wanted to call you today to talk about these things. And I'm like, I can't because we got a podcast. I'm going to ruin all the content. <laughs> Speaking of which, one final thing for me. I was So I'm wearing a Huey P. Huey P. Newton shirt. Yes, you are. Who is Huey P. Newton for those that don't know? One of the founders of the Black Panthers. So when I was in the uh, the gasoline oasis today, a guy with, um, it was very funny. And, all right, let me back up. So I wore a lot of my, I guess some, some would say politically themed t-shirts in Puerto Rico, whether it be Malcolm X or, you know, uh, my Kaepernick shirt. <laughs> with other people that have set up for social equality. Well, anyway, my wife and daughter said, I hope you don't wear anything that triggers somebody. I'm like, and why would I care? Right. I, I doubt anything South is going to, you know, going to happen. So anyway, I'm, I'm getting gas. This guy's wearing a America. Some, I couldn't read all the, uh, like things, mm -hmm. but there is all like USA. One of those guys, uh, and he's looking at me, and I'm like, he's not staring at me. He's looking at my shirt because the very bottom says, power to the people. And I think it probably – then his, like, whole facial <laughs> expression changed. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, this might be a problem. But he's filling gas up in his Jeep. I'm putting, you know, gas in my car. And I'm just thinking to myself, if he says something to me, What's my response? And my response would have been, if you're listening, you probably aren't. Hey, look, we're all brothers in this in this interesting thing we're doing. And until we can see it from each other's perspective, the look you're giving me will never change. You know? Um, and, and I just thought he had like a, 
he had like a, something on his shirt or a tattoo. I, I can't remember which one. It's probably his tattoo, like a Second Amendment thing. I'm like, yeah, okay, but you're mad if I have a guy yeah. <laughs> like like holding holding an AK. Yep. So um, yeah, that's threatening, you know. But <laughs> so until we get to a point where we can actually have these conversations without you know assuming the other person has got malice in their heart, we're always going to be in the same spot, you know. Yeah. All I genuinely want in my life is for people to have the opportunity. Don't give me anything. Don't be nice to me because you feel sorry for me. Just give me the opportunity. So that's that was that was uh, my learning at the gas station. I'm glad my my wife wasn't there. She was like, "I told you." See, and <laughs> I'm like, wearing my Como Se Llama T-shirt, uh, oh. which does not get any weird looks at the gas station or <laughs> potentially, you know, like involve some altercation with the second amendment. Right. So. <laughs> yeah. You guys missed the whole, like, dude, are you weren't oh, <laughs> this? Uh, I'm trying to remember. I think this was on my, one of my $6 t-shirts. I'm pretty sure that it was one of my, you, you got to send me that link. Yeah, I will. Oh. I'll send it to you right after this. Because <laughs> it's t-shirt time. But as always, we're glad you joined us. As always, I'm Andre. And I'm Chris. And we'll talk to you next time.